The EPL show on the Sports Gambling Podcast is presented by MyBookie.ag. Just in time for football season, MyBookie is offering up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP100. Up to $1,000 in bonus bets on your first deposit. Use SGP100 to play, win and get paid at MyBookie.ag. The Sports Gambling Podcast is also brought to you by Playbalto, the number one office pool hosting site. Playbalto is fully customizable, easy to manage, and most importantly, it's free. If you're running a football pool this season, make your life easy and do it on Playbalto. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com and click the Playbalto link to sign up today. <laughs> You are listening to the EPL show here on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the Sports Gambling Podcast Network on Twitter at the SGP Network. Follow me on Twitter at LockBetting and check out my website, LockBetting.com. We are on a phenomenal 10 and 1 run at the moment. It started with a 5 and 0 run on the UFC card and we've extended that with a 5 and 1 run since. So 10 and 1, great times to get involved, hopefully landing some money here on the football this weekend had a good start on the European show uh, went 1-0 and with our locks there and also landed Atletico Madrid to nil a traditional pick there for us as um, we continue to ride out Atletico to win at home with, with a clean sheet so all good there all good um, on the EPL front as well, we have been winning most of our picks. I've actually got a seven and three record in week one, and six and four last week, and was actually off to a five and one start. It was only the lock that let us down, and then obviously didn't have a good Sunday. Didn't have a good time with the Man City result. Did correctly predict the uh, both teams to score in the Man U game. So a six and four week last week. So overall, that makes us uh, thirteen and seven. Uh, a lot of these um, picks have been officially going out to the members who had a really good week one. But obviously, a lot of you guys here are for the free plays and, and the locks have been a letdown. Coming off the 47 and 11 last year, we have made it 0-2 start. I just want to let you guys know, I, as much as I do appreciate the acts of kindness where you tweet me and let me know that the locks have lost, um, I am aware that the lock has lost because I am also betting it and I am following the result minute to minute. So whilst I'm entirely grateful for your act of kindness where you do let me know that the lock has lost and that I am 0-2, I am already aware of this. So your tweets are completely unnecessary. But again, I do thank you for the gesture. Moving on to this week where we hope to get back on track, we start on Friday with... Aston Villa versus Everton, where Everton haven't conceded a goal this season and Aston Villa haven't got themselves a point this season. So it makes it a relatively interesting game. Villa are the 23 to 10 underdogs. It's 29 to 11 on the draw and it's 13 to 10 on Everton. Now, um, Aston Villa are desperately in need for a win. Otherwise, the comparisons between them and Fulham will just continue to go on and on and on. And it's easy to see why. They're a team that got promoted last season, yet they spent 
over 100 million in order to ensure that they stayed in the Premier League. Uh, made a relatively decent start against Spurs before obviously capitulating in the last 20 minutes. And then last week, um, they made a very poor start against Bournemouth and were immediately 2-0 down, although they dominated the rest of the game from that, only losing 2-1. That was a letdown for Villa. It was a letdown for us because off the back of the Tottenham performance, I thought that that was a relatively solid lock. And um, Bournemouth also, with their with their 13 defeats in 19 away games last season, also added to that um, statistically as well as... Um, what we saw from both teams in week one with Bournemouth letting us down against Sheffield United, conceding a goal in the 89th minute and Villa playing so well at Tottenham. I think Bournemouth are a team I want nothing to do with this week. They've been responsible for costing us two locks here. One one week we're on them and one week we're against them and, and we've come out 0-2. So I think as much as... I have a strong feel for the Bournemouth game this week. I will definitely be avoiding it. One thing I will say before we continue on with the, the Villa-Everton game, um, this start of the season is always down to statistical analysis. The eye test really only comes into play in terms of what I've seen uh, from certain sides three, four weeks in when teams are fully fit uh, and after the international break we get a real gauge for what we see otherwise we need to really go with a lot of statistical data I don't like statistical data in soccer it doesn't really work it especially doesn't work in the EPL there's a strong reason why I firmly believe that no American tipster or so-called soccer expert will ever, ever beat me financially over the course of a season. That's because American sports bettors rely primarily on trends and data. And that's just something that doesn't work in the EPL. And that's proven by the fact that we are 0-2 at the moment with our locks. And I believe that we started 1-2 uh, last year as well. I've had a look through and uh, we we did make a 0-1 start. We then got to 1-1 one and, one, and then we were 1-2, I believe, start of last season. At one point, we were at 6-4 before we really started to gain some momentum. And that is really because at the start of the season, we do have to implement... And a lot of statistical data and, and trends and looking at things that have happened last season and whatnot. And it's not something that I will continue to do as I, I get eyes on more and more of these teams and kind of get more of a feel for this season because we don't have salary caps in, in the Premier League. Therefore, teams can completely transform season to season. Therefore, statistical data isn't really that relevant over the course of the season. And... Um, I find that American betters, it may work in MLB and NFL, but it doesn't work in soccer. And I find a lot of so-called experts who are Americans who, who choose to specialize in soccer don't really do that well and really max, max out at around about 55 to 58%, which is way under what I do. Uh, I'd be very, very disappointed with those numbers. And... Um, and they use a lot of statistical data and trends throughout the season, and um, it just doesn't work. This is an eye test league. This is an eye test podcast. You need to actually watch football. You need to go to football. You need to understand football. You need to uh, be involved in the fantasy element. You need to understand fantasy. You need to understand form. You need to read the newspapers. You need to understand personal situations between uh, as in what the players are going through on a week-to-week -week basis. Um, media stories etc this needs to be followed 
stringently and i don't think that without the without tools like sky sports news and and the tabloid newspapers that we have over here and by watching the amount of football that, that i watch in this league that you can really do it properly so it's not an excuse at all but we do take a very Americanized approach um, at the start of the season where we look at what people did last year and they look at stats from last year and and things of that nature. And, and it is more difficult to compile locks. It'll be something that will become a lot easier. I do expect to be well up with my locks by the end of the season um, once we're able to implement a more eye test approach as opposed to statistical trends, etc. which, as I said, it does work in certain sports. It's absolutely fine for baseball. It's absolutely fine for the NFL. In fact, even in some, some European leagues, uh, like as we look at the Atletico Madrid trend, for example, it does work. This kind of stuff does continue to cash over and over and over again. But this is not the league for it. The, the turnover of players is just far too high and the difference between teams is, is just far too different year to year. And although... It can remain consistent with the top six. Uh, I don't think it can remain consistent lower down. And the thing is with the top six, especially the top two, actually, they're almost becoming unbettable at this juncture uh, as individual teams. For example, every single week, almost Liverpool and Man City are well outside the minus 200 that I can offer up as a pick on this podcast. So I have to veer clear of them and I have to look at goal, uh, adding goal scorer markets such as over-unders and clean sheets and, and things of that nature. But the thing is, is that looking at this season from last season you look at a team like Liverpool they can't keep clean sheets therefore the statistical data from last year which is turning around and saying that this team win and don't concede at the same time is no longer a functional bet until Liverpool defence become more in sync and do begin to keep those clean sheets again otherwise if you follow along with that suit it's losing bet after losing bet after losing bet and I've seen Americans on Twitter who have gone with the Liverpool to nil bet especially heavy on week one there was a three unit play on Liverpool to beat Norwich to nil a play that I firmly did not believe in after knowing the Norwich's um, Norwich's philosophy towards football and how they would approach the game I, I was kind of confident that that wouldn't cash that's why I didn't offer it up as a pick here and uh, and it lost and and again last week I saw people going for Liverpool to nil based on last season's statistical data and it lost if you watch a game you'll see that Liverpool are trying to implement a new offside trap which isn't working for them and they've been caught on it various times this season uh, for a couple of goals um, in the Super Cup and uh, the goal against Norwich which Pookie scored so it's not really working out great for them it's going to take an adjustment period and you need to be fully engaged in in watching football and have a love for the game and an understanding of this league and this game to, to be able to follow along with that and as I said this isn't a overall overriding attack on American sports bears it's just saying that I don't think that you're cut out for this league and and have the right to call yourself an expert if you're solely relying on trends and statistical data, you're going to fail. Um, 
you, you're not you're not gonna you're definitely not gonna be up in this 60 percent plus region um even if you're at 55 i would assume that you'd be pretty lucky um by getting a lot of the good breaks there because overall it's not something that works and uh we've used it for the last two weeks we'll use it again today i actually have a double lock for you guys at the end of the show and it is heavily reliant on statistical data on previous seasons however looking at it uh, looking at the locks i'm going to give up one thing we don't see is a um, is a mass turnover in the in the players that will be taking to the pitch uh, in comparison to those that took into the pitch last season. So that's why I'm going to allow that statistical data to influence me in terms of what I take as the locks this week. So just something to bear in mind there. Um, as we hope for things to to pick up on the on the lock front, but as I said, picks are absolutely fine. The record's thirteen and seven this week. Official picks that have been going out to my members at lockbetting.com have generally been winning. Uh, in week one, we had Man United against Chelsea. We had Arsenal to to win at Newcastle. Uh, we had Manchester City against West Ham plus over two and a half goals. Uh, yeah, we we did lose the lock, and yeah, we did lose a bet. I believe with Tottenham not keeping a a clean sheet against Villa, but. It's small units at this point in time. And, and as I will say, everything has been kept small. I have not issued one play at this point over a unit. And uh, my members will firmly verify that for me. So anyway, let's move on to the to the Villa-Everton game. We talked about it so long ago, we've probably forgotten the prices. I'll give them to you again. It's Aston Villa at 23-10. to 10. Uh, The draw is available at... Uh, I think five to two was was the best price. I'm just trying to go back to my uh, to my screen here. Here we go. We found it again. Sorry, I, I, what happened there is I moved it over to Saturday because I thought we were done with the Villa game. Uh, twenty three to ten Villa, twenty nine to eleven best price to draw, thirteen to ten on Everton. Um, yeah, I spoke about Villa and the comparisons to Fulham. Um, they're a team that desperately need a win at the moment. I think for Villa to stay up this season, they're going to need to win eight of their of their nine home games against the, the teams in, in the bottom half. And they've already lost to, to Bournemouth. So you would almost think at this point that they're going to need to win all eight of their games at home among the teams around them or at least pick up um, three or four away wins from the teams around them as well because that, I think, will take them close to the target of 35 points, a new target, which I think, in my mind, is enough to start. For years, it's been 40 points, 40 points, 40 points. But for me now, I do believe that... um, 35 points would be enough and if Villa were to win eight games at home and possibly draw four or five of those games that would get them close to that total and at that juncture they would only need a couple of away wins in order to in order to get them there I imagine it probably won't be as cut and dry as that uh, because I don't see Villa getting to seven or eight home wins I think it would be nearer five or six uh, probably nearer five therefore I do think they're going to struggle this season and I think the Bournemouth game is the the heavy indicator of that but if we take away the, the last 30 minutes of the Spurs game and the first 15 minutes of the Aston Villa game sorry, of the Bournemouth game, we then have a a singular 45-minute period. Now, Aston Villa have played four 45-minute periods of football in the Premier League this season. They've played for three hours. They've conceded all of their goals 
within that 45 minute period of football. They've conceded three against Tottenham and two against Bournemouth. So they had a poor finish and they had a poor start. Aside from that, Aston Villa have been a relatively solid team that for the remainder of the time being three 45 minute periods did not concede any goals and were on top of the game against Bournemouth and looked fairly competent against Spurs. In fact, they've won those other 45 minute periods by two goals to nil. The only problem is, is that they lost the 45 minute period from the end of the Spurs game to the start of the Bournemouth game, five nil. And that can't happen again. They cannot have a period in this Everton game where they completely switch off because Everton are a team who have the players to punish them. With that said, with us looking at very narrow margins in terms of where this game can be won, um, I don't see a high-scoring game here. But the bookies do see a high-scoring game. And I think it's on the basis that thus far... Um, the two games involving Aston Villa have produced seven goals. Well, the two games involving Everton have produced one goal. And this team do seem like a team that are primarily focused on their defensive duties at the moment. The over for this game is available at four to six. The under in this game, under 2.5 goals, is available at six to five. And that's available readily. Paddy Powell, Betfair, Bet Victor. Um, that's it, I think, from what I can see. A marathon bet. So it is readily available. Otherwise, a lot of places do have it at 11 to 10. Some people have it as low as even money. But it's still that would still make it the uh, the underdog price in comparison to the over-under. People are, uh, the bookies do like the over here. I don't. I, I think that Villa have been defensively competent throughout um, majority of their games they made defensive signings Villa Everton are obviously a, a defence first team um, I think that this game could be decided by a mistake um, I think it could be nil-nil for a long period and if anyone then has the quality to win it I do believe it will be Everton I don't expect Villa to to come through here with their first win of the season but what I do expect is the game to be a tight affair uh, one by one goal or one mistake or one moment of, of genius even from um, an Everton player who who do have more players such as Sigerson and Richarlison and um, and even most keen who hasn't really had too much game time yet capable of, of winning this game for them I don't think Aston Villa have those match winners and I don't think Aston Villa will be looking at these type of games to win in order to stay up I think they'll be targeting more of the teams around them. of course if they do win as this is the Premier League uh, it wouldn't be a big surprise if Villa do pick up wins at home against the likes of Arsenal or, or Manchester United or things like that it's not been unknown to happen it's not a strict it's not a strict pattern where we turn around and say um, teams that need to stay up have to solely beat the teams around them. Obviously, those games are often referred to as six-pointers, but in this instance, um, this is a winnable game for Villa on paper in terms of player for player. Everton haven't looked particularly impressive, but one place where they have looked impressive is the back. Um, very good fantasy picks for you there with the likes of Mina at 5 million. Uh, Mina, I say particularly 
instead of um, Keane because Mina does get forward and score headers. We saw him in the 2018 World Cup score a lot of goals. So I think he's a good player. And then, of course, Luca Digne is a player that makes assists and score goals as well. Two great players to get into your fantasy teams from Everton. Um, so here I'm leaning towards uh, the under two and a half goals. I do not understand why this market has um, the over as the favourite here. Moving on to Norwich versus Chelsea on the Saturday morning, where Norwich, who are on four points already, are the 38 to 11 underdogs. It's 41 to 13 on the draw, and Chelsea are the five to six favourites. I don't make Chelsea favourites here of. Um, of five to six, I would be looking at Chelsea as favourites of closer to five to four, six to five. Um, yes, they should be favourites because they are Chelsea. They are a team that have better players. And um, in certain periods, they look like a really good team this season. And they look ready to win last week. But the second half against Leicester was the first time that we saw Chelsea absolutely dominated. And that's a weird thing to say because they've come up against Liverpool in the Super Cup. Uh, they've lost 4-0 to Man United. But they never looked as bad as they did in the second half against Leicester. It almost seems like they've been affected by the results. It seems like they've they've played really, really well and um, haven't got enough out of their from their output. And they seem to be mentally affected by it. And they seem to be going into their shell against Leicester, where they invited Leicester on, where Leicester could have won that game in the second half, 4-5-1. They had plenty of chances, not just the equaliser, but but Vardy and Madison had chances to win that game. They looked the far more likely winners. But one thing we did after that, that game is a decision where Chelsea were not given a penalty via VAR, and I'm not one to give penalties every time someone gets hit in the hand with a ball, but it did happen in a Chelsea game. It was a penalty, and this was not, and this was something that was given in the Manchester City game uh, when they, in my eyes, beat Tottenham, but then it was taken away from in an injury time. That needs to stop. Uh, VAR is completely and utterly inconsistent. Uh, the Wolves-Man United game, they they give Wolves the goal because, I my my opinion, it was a great goal from outside the box, so they, they, they wanted to find specific angles in order to allow it. You can change the angles of those of those lines fairly easily. And and the first angle clearly showed that the player receiving the ball from the corner was offside. And then they manipulated the angles to show that he wasn't. I, I think that that's ridiculous. I think also that it's ridiculous that um, Gabriel Jesus has a goal disallowed because a ball unknowingly brushed against someone's hand on the way in and then we have a, a situation where a shot is blocked in the Chelsea game and VAR doesn't overrule it it's completely inconsistent it's a joke at this point um, I do believe that if you're going to use it it just has to be there to overrule clear and obvious decisions it cannot be used for every single thing and um Things where players are marginally offside by a fingertip. I don't think I give a shit. I don't think anyone else gives a shit at all. This is not what VAR was for. It has to be clear and obvious. There has to be things like daylight in terms for offside. There has to be things like clear handballs. I think that's kind of what we're looking for. Clear red cards. We're not looking for all these finicky bullshit decisions. And what we've taken out of the game is the ability to celebrate a goal. We now don't know if it's a goal until some arsehole sitting in Stockley Park has a look at it and examines it with a microscope. And then we have permission to celebrate as, as football supporters and the players have permission to celebrate. It's ruining the game. One of the key elements of football is when the 
goal goes into the back of the net you celebrate it I mean we don't have it so much in the Premier League but in Mexico and, and other South American countries we have the obvious thing with the commentators where they shout goal and, and it's great and it's and it's used in um, in highlight videos all over social media and, it, and it's great fun and um, we're now saying that they can't do that until the goal has been looked at at VAR so all they all the obviously they risk the um risk the possibility of of looking foolish um it's just you can't just have it seems to be the enthusiasm of a goal has gone because yes it's a goal and then you can half celebrate it and then you half celebrate it again when you realize that it's a real goal it's just stupid at this point um it's not what football's about um and obviously i don't think it's going to affect the the numbers of people that watch football. I don't think it's going to have fans tuning out at all, but it is killing the game of football that, that we know. And the evolution of football could be this, and um, it could turn out to be absolutely fine in terms of numbers and viewership and sponsorship and, and all kinds of stuff. But the enjoyment of it will be seriously hindered by this VAR situation. And again, I'm not a fan with the... American Americanization of of this sport, um, and I don't, and I think even NFL, which I'm a fan of, and I, and I do watch NFL, and I do bet NFL, and I do stay up and, and love watching NFL. I don't even think that the NFL has this kind of review system where where things are reviewed to the absolute letter of the law under a magnifying glass. NFL also only overrules clear and obvious mistakes. And this is where football's going wrong because we're not overruling the clear and obvious. We've gone too far on the other side of the spectrum where we're overruling all kinds of bullshit and I'm not a fan of it at all. And um, whereas people, whereas a lot of people are turning around and, and going, we didn't need this and we didn't, we never want it. We don't want to be like the Americans where the game takes three hours to complete. That's not the problem. And... Um, NFL games don't take three hours to complete because of the fact that they're overruling decisions. NFL games take three hours to complete because that's how long NFL games take to complete. We have timeouts in the game. We have stoppages for, for injuries. Yes, we have, we have, um, we have play, um, stoppages for replays, but the NFL clock, that one-hour clock, only runs when the game is in play. If a football clock ran when the game was in play, that would also take three hours. Do you guys know that the average football match, a ball is only in play for 55 minutes? So if, it, if the clock was stopped every time the ball was in play, at the 90-minute mark, an actual hour and a half into the game, we would only have played 55 minutes. Therefore, a football match would also take three hours to complete if every minute ticked by when the ball was in play. It's a fascinating statistic, and it's 100% true. I encourage you guys to go and look that up if you have any doubts about that. But it's a true statistic. On average, the ball is in play for 55 minutes. In an NFL game... The ball is in play for the entire hour. That's why it takes three hours to finish. And football would be in the same boat. So I'm not a critic of, of NFL. In fact, those people that are making comparisons to it and saying that the Americanization of it has ruined the game, that's not true. Yes, the Americanization has ruined the game if you believe that the Americanization is stop, start, stop, start and putting everything under a magnifying glass. I don't think that, I don't think that 
if you stand by that statement that you have a clue what you're talking about because you obviously haven't watched a single game of NFL in your life or you've or you've watched it very casually NFL does not overrule things unless they're absolutely clear and obvious well that at least is the rule we're not doing that in football at the moment again um been sidetracked here um Norwich versus Chelsea what was what I want to get back to um I like the the both teams to score in here. I've um, I'm I like Norwich to continue to score goals. I don't like the Chelsea defence, but at the same time, I don't like the Norwich defence. So far this season, Norwich have conceded five goals in their two games and have scored four. So their two games have produced nine goals, whereas Chelsea's two games in the Premier League so far have produced six goals. And Chelsea have conceded five of those. So both these teams have conceded 10 times between them. In addition to that, Chelsea also had a very entertaining 2-2 in the European Super Cup. So both teams to score here is available at 4-7. to seven, And it was in consideration to be the lock this week. That's how much I like that one. I see goals in this game. Uh, I also like the over two and a halves as well in this game. The, the over-under market here obviously favours that. Um, the under two and a half goals in this game is available at eight to five and the over two and a half goals is available at eight to 13. So obviously it's favorable there. Uh, I like both, both of those bets. I do think we're going to see goals in this game. I just don't think that, um, there's any, there's any statistical data to back up that there won't. And again, as I said, um, we have to use statistical data at this point in the season, but at the same time, um, this is a Norwich team that haven't made wholesale changes like Aston Villa. They are a team that attack. They have an attacking manager. I know that from, from watching Norwich, not just this season, but last season. I don't think there's going to be many Norwich games this season where they don't go over two and a half goals and where both teams don't score. I think that that is a almost an auto bet for me based on what I saw from Norwich last season and what I've seen in the first two games and probably what I'll continue to see. As for Chelsea... Uh, they have Frank Lampard. Frank Lampard's managerial style at Derby was to attack. Uh, he's an attacking player. Chelsea have attacking players and they don't have particularly great defenders. I'm very surprised that they let David Luiz go. And they themselves may also be an, an, an auto play for this both teams to score market, probably until Antonio Rudiger returns to defence to, to sort things out. Then I expect Chelsea to be more firmer. And then I think what you'll see is Chelsea to continue to score these goals and probably conceding less and therefore results would be more positive will they get a positive result here against Norwich I don't think so I think in order to do so they'll probably need to score at least two goals in order to, to do so uh, I think 2-1 Chelsea at a push um, but more likely a, a, a draw here in, in this one I, I can't really lean towards either side and I'm certainly not taking Chelsea as a um, as an odds on favourite no way um, up next, you get Brighton versus Southampton, where Brighton are the fifty-two to thirty-five favourites. It's twenty-three to ten Southampton, and so twenty-three to ten to draw, and eleven to five on Southampton. I like Southampton here um, as a dog, only based on the fact that they had more clear-cut chances last week against Liverpool. Uh, their expected goal total was at one point eight nine, which was more than Liverpool had, who actually won the game. So. 
it sort of goes to tell you that um, Southampton created a fair, a fair bit against a better team than Brighton, whereas Brighton, um, they seem to catch Watford very cold on the first day, um, got a home draw against West Ham last week, and here they come up against the Southampton team who have very decent attacking players and showed against Liverpool that they were able to, to stand up against the top side and were unlucky to come out with a defeat. I think this week... Um, bearing in mind that they are such a big underdog, I like Southampton on the double chance, which is available at four to six. Uh, that's the best price on that. I do think that they'll be able to avoid a defeat. I don't think Southampton are bad enough to start this season with three defeats in a row. I think that would be relatively concerning. I think they do pick up their first point here at Brighton. Up next, you have Manchester United versus Crystal Palace, where Manchester United narrowly at this point, outside what we're allowed to take as a as a pick uh, which is minus 200 they are available at four to nine had they dropped to one to two as much as I don't love to do it uh, I, I, I would have given them as a lock I think winning money at this point is more preferred than to um, engage and respond to criticism of taking picks at minus 200 for your locks. At the end of the day, the primary primary focus sorry, here is to win money and to pick the right matches. And Man United at minus 200 would be the right choice. They're just outside though, so I will find an alternative. And what I've decided to go for is Manchester United to win the game to nil. Man United to win the game to nil is available at six to five. Uh, aside from that, I also like Manchester United on the Asian handicap market, and that's on the minus one, not the minus one point five. The minus one is available at three to five. What that means is Manchester United have to win the game by two goals for you to win, and if they win by one goal, it's a push. And I do think Manchester United will win this game relatively comfortably. That They created good chances against Wolves. They were great on the counter-attack against Chelsea. Uh, Rashford and Martial seem to be clicking. They look solid at the back. I don't see Palace scoring. Crystal Palace are a team who are yet to find a net this season and haven't really even looked close. They're extremely disappointed against Sheffield United. So I don't see how they get anything at Manchester United here. I'm an advocate for both those bets. The 6-5 to five and Man United's nil. And especially the... Um, the minus one on that Asian handicap, just in case Man United do concede a goal, I would be confident of them being able to score two or three in order to, to win this game, especially given the fact that Palace have only scored once this season. But in saying that, Palace... Sorry, Palace haven't scored a single goal this season, but in saying that, Palace have themselves only conceded one goal, that being against Sheffield United. But Sheffield United and Everton are not the attacking teams that Manchester United are. They don't have the players that Manchester United have either. And um, as I said, um, Man United will win this game. And I couldn't give it as a locker because it's not under minus 200. But I, all, I did consider the minus... One Asian handicap at three to five is a lock. The reason I didn't go towards it is last week I had a draw no bet and um, I didn't want to go for anything that had the possibility of of giving us a, a push. Therefore, I've decided to uh, to give that one a miss. But it may show up as an official play over at lockbetting.com. It may be parlayed into selections or, or, or something of that nature. Uh, we'll have a look. Um, but I do I do like this game. And there may be something coming on it um, if you sign up to the $60 package at lockbetting.com. Up next, we have Sheffield United versus Leicester, where Sheffield United are 13 to 5 underdogs. It's 44 to 19 to draw, and it's 13 to 10 on Leicester. 
good start by Sheffield United. They're 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 sitting up there with with four points. They're unbeaten. They were the lock destroyers for us in week one. The 89th minute goal from Billy Sharp, an unfortunate start to the season for us there. Last week they upset. Crystal Palace so they've only conceded one goal in three hours of football in the Premier League this season they do look defensively sound but they do come up against a team that are certainly due a win with Leicester Leicester have had a solid start to the season two draws against Wolves and Chelsea I think Chelsea away being the more impressive result Brendan Rodgers team do like like they're playing decent football and it's only going to be a matter of time before Iosi Perez Madison and especially Jamie Vardy do get among the goals none of them have scored just yet and unfortunately for Sheffield United I do think they could be the victims of Leicester finally starting to convert these chances despite the fact they've started defensively solidly I don't think they have the defence to contain this front three of Madison, Perez and Vardy I think Leicester are more solid at the back I think this will be the real Premiership initiation for Sheffield United in Game 3. So far, they've lucked out coming up against uh, a Palace team that looked poor and a Bournemouth team who looked like they just needed to turn up and they would win. Uh, I don't think Leicester are going to do that. I think they're going to be looking for their first win of the season to solidify a solid start, which would be five points out of a possible nine and unbeaten in their first three games. Uh, they have much better players on the pitch. If I was to do a combined 11 for this, it would be 11-0 to Leicester. So that kind of tells you the golfing class. And I think there's value in taking Leicester here at 13 to 10 in this match. And I certainly will be picking him. Up next, you have Watford versus West Ham, where Watford are available at 9-8. It's 13-5 the draw, and it's 45-17 to 17 on West Ham. Uh, Watford haven't won at all this season, and I would expect that to change relatively soon. However, uh, I don't think it will change against West Ham. I spoke last week about West Ham not wanting to get off to the same poor start they did last season, and they haven't. They did pull back and get a decent draw at Brighton. Here against Watford, I do think that they're viable candidates to avoid another defeat. Um, I like West Ham in the um, win draw market on the double chance available here at five to six. I do think they'll be able to avoid another defeat. At the same time, I do think that Watford themselves will be able to get their first points on the board. I do like the draw very much in this in this game. Uh, it's in underdog consideration at 13 to 5 uh, alongside the under in the Villa Everton game on Friday. So two bets to consider there as as solid underdog plays. Um Watford Watford West Ham a, a draw for me. Up next the game that we are going to be looking at some action on. Uh, it's the game of the week, and uh, there's an extensive preview on this on Sports Gambling Podcast uh, on the Sports Gambling on SportsGamblingPodcast.com website, uh, where I do preview the game of the week. I've said a lot about this game over there, so I won't say too much over here because I am trying to encourage guys to go over and head over to the website and read my article for the game of the week. Uh, there's a combined eleven over there. I haven't gone for a lot of Arsenal players uh, and that being because um, I do believe that Liverpool do do firmly outweigh Arsenal in, in all positions here. Uh, Arsenal's goalkeeper gets in this week because Liverpool are still without Alisson and without Alisson, I do think that that makes Liverpool susceptible to conceding goals. Um, interestingly, this particular game 
is the game that has produced more goals than any other in the Premier League. That was an interesting statistic that I found. I put it out over on my article. Uh, this game has produced 155 goals in 54 Premier League games, which is more than any other Premier League game. Um, the last 10 of these 12 meetings between your school, between these two sides has not only seen over two and a half goals, but it's seen both teams scoring. I think that those are trends that are continue going to continue. And um, Liverpool coming to coming to the back of this, having won 17 of their 19 home games last year and 12 of 19 the season before. Last season, they scored 55 goals at home. They haven't lost at home for two Premier League seasons. And, um, they, and they also carry... A unbelievable um, home record over Arsenal in this particular stadium over the years as well. Well, if I look back at the results that have taken place here at Anfield, you have to stretch back a long way before you find anything positive for Arsenal. Last season was 5-1 to Liverpool. The season before was 4-0 to Liverpool. The season before that was 3-1 to Liverpool. They had the 3 all draw back in uh, January 2016. Before that, they had the two-all draw in 2014. Uh, Liverpool won 5-1 in February 2014. And you have to go back to September 2012, where Arsenal were 2-0 winners at Anfield. And Arsenal, of course, won the season before that, 2012, in March, where they were 2-1 winners at Anfield. So going way back there for the Arsenal win. But this has primarily been Liverpool winning with a lot of goals. I don't see any reason for that to, to change. And um, this particular game will feature in our lock selections later on in the show. Lots to like here. Uh, as I said, more information over at sportsgamblingpodcast.com where I review this game of the week. Moving on to the next game, it's going to be taking place on Sunday. It features Bournemouth hosting Manchester City, where Manchester City are the 2-9 favourites. It's 16-1 on Bournemouth. It's 7-1 on the draw. Not too much to say here. Um, I think Manchester City returned to winning ways. Um, I think Bournemouth are tailor-made for, for Manchester City. There's nothing more to say than that. They're both two, both teams that like to play an attacking style, um, but Manchester City do it with far better players. And I think that what that's going to mean is that Bournemouth are going to be left open to City counters. Um, it's going to be Bournemouth attack, City attack, Bournemouth attack, City attack. And... Um, when it comes down to a shootout between Manchester City and Bournemouth on paper, you're going to look at Manchester City winning out three or four one winners here, in my opinion. So definitely looking at Manchester City to win and over two and a half goals, which is available at eight to 15. Moving on to Tottenham versus Newcastle, where Tottenham are the five to 19 favourites. It's 76 to 13 on the draw. And it's 14 to 1 on Newcastle. Those see Newcastle having a hope in hell here. Um, I think it's just going to be a case of how many and whether Tottenham can keep a clean sheet, much like the Man United game earlier. I do like Tottenham on the Asian handicap. However, there isn't much value just taking Tottenham here on the minus one because the minus one on the Asian handicap only gets you to 31 to 100. Uh, you would have to take Tottenham full out at the minus 1.5, which gives you odds of 14 to 11. Um, I think there's more value on taking Tottenham to nil. 
against a Newcastle team that's only scored one goal this season and that was a consolation goal at Norwich where they switched off they haven't looked good in attack so far um, the goal difference is conceded four and scored one and Tottenham up even monies to win this game with a clean sheet and I do expect them to win it two or three nil so Tottenham's definitely the play there be it on the handicap market or the to nil market um, strongly leaning towards Tottenham winning there and taking their tally to seven points the final game Wolves versus Burnley where Wolves are priced at 13 to 5 it's 5 to 2 to draw and it's 4 to 1 on Burnley I think this will be the place where Wolves pick up their first win of the season. They've had an impressive start. They got a draw at Leicester and they drew at home to Manchester United. They had chances to win that game. Obviously, they had a chance to lose that game through the Paul Pogba penalty. Um, I don't really want to talk too much about that. This podcast is already running long and I have a ton to say about the, the Paul Pogba situation, uh, possibly address it at another time. I just hope that we see a positive performance from him and Manchester United this week. Uh, as for Wolves... Um, they're not being affected too much by the the Thursday-Sunday dynamic, although this time they may be um, because they're playing a more difficult team in Torino of Italy. Uh, but I don't think they'll affect them to the point where they won't be able to beat Burnley. I think they're far superior to Burnley. And uh, I like them here at the price. You're getting them at 13-5. to five. Uh, I do expect them to, to this to be a low-scoring game where Wolves eventually break through, although that hasn't been the way Burnley have played lately and they have looked massively positive in their first two games winning 3-0 against Southampton and then creating a ton of chances against Arsenal who obviously kept that clean sheet against Newcastle but they were given a hell of a lot of problems um, by Burnley which probably leans uh, gives more credos to our lock later on um, in terms of the amount of problems that this front two at Burnley did cause Arsenal last week. And if you look at the problems that Burnley caused them then and then look at the attack of Liverpool being Mane, Firmino and Salah, things don't look great for Arsenal this week. So I'm not, I'm not too down on Burnley. I think Burnley are going to definitely stay out this season. They look good this season. They look positive. Um, they look like a team that are going to be very difficult to beat at home. But I do just feel that Wolves are going to solidify their solid start here and pick up a win. Let's close out with the lock dog parlay portion of the show. Um, we looked at this game earlier. We looked at it as the game of the week. It's Arsenal versus versus Liverpool. Sorry, Liverpool versus Arsenal. Arsenal, 11-2 underdogs there. 39-10 was the draw. And 8-15 Liverpool. That is within the realm of what we can take as a lock. Therefore, we are going to take it. But I'm going to do something I said I wouldn't be doing much of this year. I said I was going to try and keep this to 38 locks. But because I am expecting to do more and more draw no bets this season, which obviously if they end up being draws are going to be voided. So occasionally I will be offering up double locks. What I probably won't be doing very often at all is offering double locks up in the same game. I am doing it this week. I'm making a very, very, very exception for this game because the statistical data on on the based on the past of this game, coupled with what I've seen from both teams this season and the fact that there hasn't been a high turnover of players. This is pretty much the same Liverpool eleven from last season, give or take the goalkeeper. And the fact that the goalkeeper isn't the same is a positive for these two bets. 
And it's pretty much the same Arsenal team, despite the fact that they are trying to implement a few new attacking young players like like Willock, for example. I do think that there isn't anything for me to turn around and say that this game will not produce goals. And I don't think there's anything for me to, to turn around and say that Arsenal have bridged the gap and they'll avoid a defeat here against Liverpool. For me, the two locks in this game are Liverpool to win, which is available at 8-15, and for there to be over two and a half goals in this game, which is also available at 8-15. to 15. And I lean towards that over uh, both teams to score because both teams to score... Um, being under two and then being under two and a half goals would only be a one-one draw. I don't see a one-one draw here because I obviously see a Liverpool win. And again, I'm going to reiterate some of the stuff that I talk about in the the game of the week over on SportsGamblingPodcast.com. Um, Liverpool haven't lost at home for two years. They won 17 home games last season. Uh, 10 times out of 12, this game has gone over ten and a, over two and a half goals. 10 times out of 12, both teams have scored. This game has produced more goals than any other game in the Premier League with 155 and 54 games. Uh, Arsenal conceded 35 goals in 19 Premier League games this last season. Again, not a stat I want to focus on too much because... It is, it is heavily focusing on the statistical data from last season. But I want to focus on what I've seen this season. And one of the things I've seen this season is that Liverpool don't seem to be at the level they were last season in defence. Southampton created more clear-cut chances than Liverpool last season. And Arsenal are a better side than Southampton. Let's make no mistake about it. But at the other end, Liverpool look prolific. They've scored eight goals in their three games. And Liverpool are a far better attacking team than Burnley, who gave Arsenal problems last weekend. So there you have everything that you need to know. Statistical data from last season, low turnover in players which make it relevant, High highest number of goals in the history of the Premier League. Liverpool, incredible record at home for the last two seasons. Scored eight goals in their three games this season. Arsenal have conceded 35 in their 19 away goals last season. And both teams look susceptible, look susceptible to conceding goals this season from what I've seen, be it Liverpool at Southampton or Arsenal at home to Burnley. Everything lends itself to a high-scoring game won by Liverpool. So you get two locks in this game. Feel free to bet them together if you like to take the risk of Liverpool to win and over two and a half goals as a separate bet. But I'm taking them separately. I'm taking a double lock here, both at exactly the same price, 8-15 to 15 for there to be over two and a half goals at 8-15 to 15 for Liverpool to win this game. I will actually look around now and find you the price for you to bet this as a parlay to take this together. So it's available at even money. Liverpool to win and over two and a half goals is available as a parlay, a two-leg parlay at even money. But separately, the legs are available 8-15 to 15 and 8-15. to 15. Uh, both at Betfair, I believe, and um, I firmly think that we could cash both on this and um, set our lot record back to two and two, give us a a nice reset off the back of this one game and uh, move on to, to week four where we will be two and two, complete reset and get us back on track with that. And uh, you guys don't have to tweet me if this bet doesn't win because I will be watching this at 5.30 on the Saturday. But 
I really cannot see how how it doesn't. Um, there's there's so much backing up this play that um, it would be crazy if um, we do wind up with with some kind of shock result here, like a uh, like a nil nil or even even a one all draw in this game. I, I just don't see it. I just I see this cashing relatively easy. Touch wood. Um, moving on to the dog play. I am going to lean towards that underplay there in the in the Villa Everton game. Don't really like taking draws. They're very risky. You are relying on of two teams obviously scoring an equal amount of goals or maybe having a stalemate. And um, as much as I, if there was going to be one draw this weekend, I would look at Watford and West Ham. But uh, I think the under in the in the Everton Aston Villa game is a great opportunity to make money. Um, Aston Villa have have looked defensively solid for a majority of their games despite the fact that they've conceded those five goals I did talk about um, the periods of which they've conceded those I talked about that quite extensively and Everton games have only produced one goal so far this season in the three hours of football I do think that this will be a a defensive game where um, we see it decided possibly by one goal so I'm going to take the under two and a half goals in that one I actually have that as a nil-nil prediction on my uh, sportsgamblingpodcast.com website article. Um, for the, the parlay, now this is interesting because um, I could easily just throw out Manchester United, Tottenham uh, and Man City here as an official parlay. Um but there are other things that I like this weekend that, that I find more interesting and I'm not steering away from that parlay. That may be a parlay that goes out on lockbetting.com, but it just seems kind of chalky, kind of boring. And um, as I as I always try to tell people, the lock here is an official play on on the part on the podcast. The lock is tracked. Not only is the lock tracked in terms of for the free listeners here on the SGP, the locks are tracked over at lockbetting.com. These go towards my permanent PL record for the season. The parlays and dogs don't. So unless I turn around and play this all I'm really doing here is following the format of the EPL show, which carries on the format from the NFL show. The Lock Dog Tease was something that's happened since way back when this podcast began. It's always been done by Ryan and Sean, and I followed that format for this show. It doesn't mean that I officially stand by those plays, unless I turn around to you and say, official parlay. So what I will turn around to you and say is, official parlay right now, Man City and Tottenham will win. That's a money line parlay. No messing around. No um, no no to nils, no both teams to scores, no anything like that. It's just going to be simply an official money line parlay and it doesn't return a whole hell of a lot. Uh, um, if you want to put £100 on that bet, you will return yourself 152 But as far as I'm concerned, it is free money. So I am going to be giving that out to you as an official parlay. But for some fun, I'm going to give you an unofficial parlay as well because there's a lot of interesting bets this week and uh, I like the look of quite a few things. So I'm going to make you a a different parlay here as well. Um, we're going to start with Leicester City on the draw no bet market. Now, a lot of people ask me about this. If this is a draw, then it is no bet. And that obviously doesn't just apply to singles. Now, if you add a draw no bet to a um, 
to a parlay market, all that happens is, is that this drops off as if it never happened. So it will drop off like it didn't exist and uh, it won't matter anymore and uh, it will not be an existing play on your parlay. Your parlay, for example, if it's a three-play parlay, it will become a two-play two, a two a two tier parlay, sorry, with Leicester dropping off. If the Sheffield United Leicester game is a draw, if Sheffield United win, it's a losing bet. If Leicester win, that is a successful winning leg, which cashes at three to five. The second selection on the parlay, I'm going to go for Manchester United to win outright. Given all the reasons for that, I'm not convinced at all by Crystal Palace. And had Manchester United been lockable, had that come underneath the minus 200 category, I would have been taking Manchester United to, to win this game. The last selection I'm going to go for, um, where do we go with this? I'm going to go for um, Manchester City to win. And I'm going to go for the over two and a half goals market. I don't see any reason why this this wouldn't cash. I don't see why Manchester United, uh, sorry, Manchester City win uh, any kind of low scoring game against Bournemouth with, with both teams being firmly attack-minded teams. I'm just trying to find the best price available for that. I do believe it was available at 8 to 15, but I think adding this to the parlay market, you're only going to get one to 10 uh, in order to match up to the other prices. So the best price on this at the bookie that has given me the best price to combine these bets, Leicester came out of four to seven, Manchester United came out of four to 11 and Manchester City held firm at that one to two price. So a hundred pounds on that will return you 320. So it's Leicester on the draw no bet. Manchester City to win outright and Manchester City, Manchester United to win outright and Manchester City to win with over two and a half goals at one to two. That's your unofficial parlay for this week. Your official parlay and official play is me recommending to you to bet Manchester City and uh, Tottenham on Sunday. That's your Sunday double. Uh, in fact, uh, it's almost like getting three locks on this podcast because... You've got yourself a parlay anyway. So for those of you that were stringently complaining, there you go. Three locks from the same show. Arsenal and Liverpool over two and a half goals. Liverpool to win at eight to 15 and Manchester City and Tottenham as your Sunday double returning £152 off 100 that concludes this deluxe edition of the EPL show. Not just deluxe because it contained three locks, but deluxe obviously down to the length. We spoke a lot about trends and statistics. We spoke about a difference between American soccer experts and myself and, and other obviously UK-based soccer experts. And we touched on the subject of VAR as well. So a lot went into this show. It's probably why it's coming out so long. Hope people don't get put off by the length. Next week, we will return into our 30 to 40 minute format, but obviously lots to say here again. As I said, I'll reiterate, if the locks lose, I do know about it. I am watching football. I am watching the games. I am watch, I am doing the bets with you. I am losing with you when you lose. So I get hurt twice. I have to deal with the shit of having to deal with your shit when you tell me that the, the lock has lost. And I'm dealing with the financial shit of losing the bet. So there's no need to tell me about it. I feel your pain when the locks lose. So let's hope we go 3-0 and this week and head into next week 3-2. and 
in the EPL season. That's it from me. And uh, just want to say for those people who are on my website that are turning around and, and probably thinking it themselves, well, I'm not really happy about um, these guys getting three locks. Well, they don't get the European locks and they also are not on the 10 and one run that you guys are on because they didn't get the five and oh for the UFC and they are not having a five and one week. So I do feel that there is heavy justification for the $125 that you guys pay simply for the basis that we've absolutely hammered the EFL this week. Uh, we've hammered Major League Baseball. We hammered the UFC. And you guys are, quite, are happily sitting there on a 10 and one run. So I don't think there can be any complaints that the, um, the EPL show this week does contain these three lock plays. And um, I just, I dread to think what would happen if we go 0-3 with these locks and, and, and start with the 0-5 record here this season? I'll probably have to um, I'll probably have to leave the show or something, despite the fact I went 47 and 11 last week. Uh, the European show is available at lockbetting.com. Last week we started with a win on Atletico Madrid. Uh, don't know when Sean and Ryan are gonna put this up. The the EPL show should now regularly go up on Thursday evening. So I'm hoping that that stays. If it does go up on Thursday evening, your European show will be up tomorrow. If it goes up on at some point on Friday, then European show will already be up. So depending on when you're listening to this, uh, the European show will be going up on lockbetting.com on Friday morning. So make sure you look out for that. Hopefully we continue our winning ways. And of course, all of the official plays, be it additional Premier League plays, be it additional European plays, always up at lockbetting.com, along with Major League Baseball plays, UFC plays, boxing plays, etc. All plays from all sports, which will include the US Open, which is due to start in under a month's time. And of course, WWE plays. We went 4-0 with our WWE SummerSlam plays. I know people are critical of it, I know people don't like it. I know people don't think it's a real sport, but it wins money, wins free money. It's bettable. I'm very good at it. My record this season is pretty ridiculous. It's 62 and eight for the season on WWE. So I've won 62 of my 70 bets. So it's well worth doing. So I highly recommend people not being snobs about it and getting on board. In addition to that, my NFL futures picks are coming soon. We are just a few weeks away from the NFL season and I will be doing my futures bets and covering that on my website lockbetting.com that's it from me very 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 good luck with all of your bets this week especially after the poor start we've had with the locks and thanks for listening guys